0: Hey there. Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay Wenland. Thank you for joining me. Currently, we are in a series called Taking Off the Old Self. And this series is based on Ephesians 4 um, Taking Back, Taking Off the Old Self, Being Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind, and Putting On the New Self. If you have enjoyed this series, Please subscribe, comment, as long as it's constructive criticism, go ahead and leave a five-star remark on there, and share with a friend that you think needs to hear and know this information. If you haven't already, go ahead and go to takebackyourterritory.com, download your free mini e-course, Renewing Your Response, which is something we're going to be talking about today with a little bit of detail and um, subscribe to the newsletter where you'll be getting just good information, no no gimmicks, right? I'm not about the gimmicks. So if you have maybe already listened to this podcast, that is because I am re-recording it. Um, I'm working on really upping my game, becoming more professional, wanting to do everything with excellence, and what I don't like to do (laughs) is just ramble on about a subject. I actually like to be consistent and concise, and I personally don't like to listen to somebody ramble about their anecdotal stories, and a lot of times in my teachings, especially if I don't have an audience, I will ramble. And so this is my attempt to be consistent and be concise and only give you the information that you're after, giving application from the word into life and allowing you to go on your way and seek the Lord and what he has for you with this new information. So we are obviously um, rooted in Ephesians 4, and that's a scripture that Take Back Your territories, based on that basically all of my teaching from 2020 and 2021 is going to be based on. And it's something that, as Oswald Chambers says, is that we are in a state of continual conversion. And the way that I like to think about these things is that, you know, when you're saved, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, a lot of times people think, well, now that I have Jesus, everything's going to be great. And what I've found in my 16 years of walking with, walking and be a disi- being a disciple of Christ is that things actually just got harder. <laughs> because now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now we have a conviction. Now we have this wrestling between flesh and spirit. And now we have the choice and the power to overcome. So we are rooted in the Ephesians 4 scripture. But there's a few that, as I was passing through my journal, that I just want to throw out there as we're diving into today. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 1 Corinthians 16.13, be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, and be strong. 1 Peter 4.7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Colossians 4.2 continues steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with giving thanks. From these scriptures, I deduce them down to four things. Stay awake, be on guard, be ready and be sober-minded. First Peter 13 says, Prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace brought to you at the realization of Jesus Christ. So as we're talking about um, renewing your response and taking off the old man, being renewed in the spirit of your mind and putting on the new man, What I want you to remember is that there is a working out that you and I have to do. You know, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible also says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And and we live in this tension between old man, new man, and we live in this tension in our minds. We live in this tension between following the Holy Spirit and crucifying the flesh. And I know I'm using a lot of religious terms and things like that, but when you are in the fight of faith, when you are coming into your most holiest of faith to really change your life. We've learned that being sober-minded, listening to your thoughts, making sure that your thoughts line up with the Word of God, making sure that You know, you're paying attention, you're coming into your body and you're paying attention to, let's say you're hearing a sermon on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden a radar goes up that, "Mm, actually, I don't really think that's what the Bible says. Mm, I think that was taken out of context. That's going to be there sometimes, right? Or we also have the inclination of listening to a sermon or reading the Bible, reading scripture, reading a Bible study. Or even having a conversation with another believer, where something inside of us comes alive, something inside of us almost awakens. It's like this seed that was planted and watered all of a sudden has more light on it, has some warmth and begins to grow. And as we go through this life, we live in this tension because we live in this world. We live in this fallen world. We live in a place of sin, yet we're called to be holy as he is holy. So uh, most of the work that I have done in my life, it's not the miles I run. It's not just the Bible studies I've taken. It's not the education that I've taken. It's not the certifications. The work is done in the closet. The work is done in the quiet places. The work is done. I have this thing with the Lord that, especially last summer, where I would get up early, even before the sun, and I called it Twilight Workshop that I allowed work to be done in me while the stars were still gazing and shining, while the world was still sleeping. And I looked forward to it every day. And as the winter has come on and I'm slow and sluggish and cold and, and the days are dark, I miss those times of revelation. I miss those times of the quietness. And my soul and my mind are longing for them again. So as we talk about taking off the old man being renewed in the spirit of our minds, you and I have done a lot of work here. We've done a lot of work changing our attitudes and changing our mind and working through forgiveness and, and coming up into obedience. And for the last 15 years when I've gone to the Bible, I read all of these things. I read all of these scriptures and I try to apply them to my life. And I have, and the Holy Spirit does and has done a lot of work in me. But I'm also a girl that if you give me some steps for me to follow, (laughs) I'm a really happy girl. Sometimes I describe myself to new people as, I'm just a golden retriever. You give me food, you pet my head, you take me on walks, you tell me I'm a good girl, I'll be your best friend forever. You give me the parameters, you give me the boundaries, you give me the rules, and I will follow them. Or I will completely rebel against them, and you'll never see me again, right? Something that the Lord gave me, I'm looking at the date here, it was January 23rd. Is I was in the morning and I was praying and praying about some things that I've been working through. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Stop it. Just stop it. And instantly there was a revelation there that the word stop it was to be an acronym. So S, sit down. T, take a breath. O, observe your thoughts. P, posture your heart. I, integrate in. T, teach yourself. You see, a lot of times we can go around and we can spin around and in in the spirit of anxiety and, and being restless and, and trying to figure everything out. Sometimes we even lust after the answer rather than going after God himself. And I'm one of those people that I like answers. I like <laughs> I like black and white. I like to know how far I can go. I like to know what I should and should not do. I like to be able to apply things in the middle of chaos, in the the middle of confusion, in the middle of the struggle. I like to be able to remember. And In the previous episode, as far as inserting yourself between stimulus and response, you can use these words and this acronym, STOP IT, in inserting yourself between stimulus and response. You can use these, this acronym, you can use this guide, even when you don't know which way from up or when you're coming to the word, when you're coming to a situation in your life. And there's so many questions and we're waiting and we're listening and we're hoping. and And I am one of those people that will always teach you if God is leading you to do something, you're going to get a word, you're going to hear from him, somehow it's going to be confirmed, and you will have peace about it. I've used this in selling farms and buying houses, selling those houses and moving again. I've used that in... in. Um, taking care of my daughter that has special needs. I've used it in my marriage, I've used it in difficult relationships in my life whether it be putting up boundaries, removing toxic people, doing you know no contact with with certain certain people in my life or allowing people to to speak into my life. There has to be a level of peace. And when we're out of order, when we're out of balance, a lot of times we are not living up to our values. We're not living up to, we're basically out of alignment with ourselves. We're out of alignment with God. And therefore there's chaos and not peace. But a way to come back, a way to center yourself, a way to be present, be in the closet, you know, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. I mean, the first one, is basically just be still and know that I'm God. S, sit down. T, take a breath. Come back into your body rather than squirreling and vacillating and and focusing on everything that's going out onto the world. Come back into your body and breathe. And sit there. You can notice anxiety in your body and intentionally breathe that away noticing tightness in your chest or tightness in your head or tightness somewhere else in your body and focusing and breathing that away and a lot of times we can even ask ourselves questions why am I tight here what am I holding on to because the answer to your pain is in your pain right So once we've sat down, we've taken a few breaths and we've allowed ourselves to find some center. Observe your thoughts. I do this with journaling, pen to paper. You can do this every single morning to start out as a brain dump, you can do uh, the Julia Cameron morning pages where you write three pages, no matter what, of whatever stream of consciousness is in there. Or if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're freaking out or you're ready to you know, have a binging episode or grab for the alcohol or, or break a boundary you have or even a non-negotiable in your life, sit down, take a breath. Observe your thoughts. Write them out. The thing that we must understand here is that there there is no judgment. Your thoughts are not a sin. You will not be judged by your thoughts. I heard somewhere that um, your first thought is not your fault, but your second thought is. And obviously I take that with a grain of salt, but definitely... Your thoughts are the most important thing for us to be paying attention to. And your thoughts, your mind, is where the enemy of your soul works and also where the Holy Spirit works. This is where the renewing happens. This is where the change happens. This is where we take that old, dried-out, dusty dresser And we sand it, and we stain it, or we paint it, we refurbish it. We clean it up, we clean it out, we bring it back, we restore it, right? This is what's going on when we talk about renewing your mind. But you have to be able to observe your thoughts. I love it how in the armor of God in Ephesians 6, how we have the helmet of salvation. And what I've learned about salvation is... It means to take the limits off. And how amazing that is that when we get to put on the armor of God, we get to renew and reframe our mind to limitless things. We get to dream again. We get to think again. We get to hope again. We get to have faith again. We get to put on the helmet of salvation to protect our mind from imaginations. We also get to take those things captive. We get to line them up with the word of God, making them obedient to Christ, taking down strongholds. This is where we wrestle. This is where we fight. A lot of times, as far as applying, observing your thoughts and posturing your heart, there is war that goes on. So let's say I have a thought in my mind, I'm so anxious. And the first thing I think about when I think about the word anxiety is I think about fear of the future. Depression is not letting go of the past, sorry, depression is not letting go of the past and anxiety is often fear of the future. So if I say to myself right now, I am anxious, then my next question is, what am I afraid of? And then if I really listen, without judgment, without shame, without guilt, without condemnation, if I just listen, what am I afraid of? A whole host of things will come forward. Memories, words, sentences. He said, she said, this happened, what if this happens? Even, even foreboding can come forward. And not only in the mind do anxious thoughts relegate, but anxiety will also set itself up in the body. So even when these thoughts and emotions and memories will come forward, telling us that we must be anxious, telling us that we need to be afraid, we can feel these things in our body. That's why panic. It's this thing that overcomes. It's this thing that comes to overtake you. And it's, it's a physical, mental, and emotional fear coming up and out. And most of the times, it's irrational. It doesn't make sense for the, for the moment. But by observing our thoughts and not judging them, but just noting them, Allowing that limbic system to kind of come forward, come up into the amygdala, come up into the emotions, and not judging those things for being there, but acknowledging them that they're there by writing them down or even saying them out loud. We can then posture our hearts. We can then come up into the high tower. We can then come up into the prefrontal cortex come up into consciousness and out of subconsciousness, come up into our adult thinking rather than our childlike thinking, our lizard brain. And we can apply our most holiest of faith by posturing our heart and saying, I see you, I validate you, but this is what is actually true. I see that you're anxious, I see that you're afraid, but you don't have to be because... Posturing your heart is where we get to use the scriptures. It's where we get to use the information that we've already gathered. It's where we get to use our education, our understanding, and our wisdom to reformulate our thoughts, to unfragment even different personalities that that may have happened because of dysfunction and disordered thinking. When you're in your right mind... We can overtake those thoughts that try to take us down. But it's only by sitting down and taking a breath and being aware and being conscious conscience, conscience con what is that word? Whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Being aware. <laughs> and then posturing our heart into our most holiest of faith. This takes time. This takes practice. Please give yourself grace, but also determination. I've learned that a lot of times we will go after changing our behavior, and a lot of times we think, well, first I have to figure out why I do this. And I've made this mistake a lot of times in my life. That I can't change my behavior until I figure out why I'm doing it. And I've found a lot of healing in that mentality, but I've also found a lot of obstacles. Sometimes stepping out and just doing it, just changing the behavior, just making the 1% change, just making that small, tiny difference day by day by day by day will also help you change and reframe your mind. It will also help you posture your heart. Jordan Peterson teaches that if you're taking your life, and let's just pretend that you think your whole life is just a mess, right, fine. Imagine your life as a room, as your bedroom. And maybe there's things on the floor and your bed's unmade and there's clothes that need to be hung up and it's just kind of this dark, dreary, dusty place. that You basically only go into when you're sleeping. But you want to change this room and you want to enjoy it and you want to breathe life back into it. We don't go into this room and just burn it down and start over. We don't go into this room and just decide, well this is too much work. I have to shut the door and just find a different place to live. That's actually more work. We go into this room and say, what can I change first? The first thing that I usually look at is I pick things up off the floor and I put them where they belong. And then I make my bed and then I clean off my dresser. I dust it off. Maybe I vacuum, but I put everything in order and it might take 20 or 30 minutes depending on how dirty it actually is depending on how distracted I am depending on how slow I'm working depending on how much I actually want to be doing this but it is certainly so much easier to keep a room clean than it is to continue to live in the muck in the mire taking the step to change is usually so much easier than the pain of remaining the same. So part of integrating in is taking that bold step. If I have anxiety, if I have a fear of the future, if I'm afraid of taking a bold step, let's say teaching revelation wellness classes, I can sit and live in that fear. I can let it haunt me. I can let it be in my body. I can feel it. And every time I walk into church knowing (gasps) I'm supposed to be teaching classes here, but I'm not because I'm too afraid. I have to live in that. I have to sit in that. Or I can choose to be a little bit bold, a little bit brave, and go talk to this new pastor about teaching Revelation Wellness classes. I can Maybe put myself on the line a little bit and get rejected or get a no. But I can tell you from experience, it feels much better being told no. But knowing I was obedient or I was bold or I was brave or I did the hard thing, I ate the frog. than it is to live in disobedience, to live in worry, to live in wonder, to live in anxiety. So integrating in is actually taking that step. It's taking that thing that you learned by posturing your heart after you observed your thoughts and actually applying it into your life. It's putting it into your life. It's putting it into your habits. It's putting it into your your mindset. Sometimes it looks like I will blank. Sometimes it looks like setting a goal and abiding by that goal. Sometimes it looks like putting in a food rule and abiding by that food rule. The last one is teach yourself. We can allow people to be our teachers. We can continue to educate ourselves. Something I teach my children is who are not enjoying homeschool right now. But I'm trying to get them to look at that. The rest of their lives, not just the multiplication and division problems right now, but to put it into your mind of being a lifetime learner, to continue to educate yourself, continue to try to understand, continue to take that knowledge, understanding, and apply it into your life, which is called wisdom. Teaching yourself, whether that is, um, You know, uh, actually, a, a a pretty easy way to renew your mind is to think, speak, and do. Thinking, speaking, and doing have everything to do with neuroplasticity, changing those pathways in your brain from an old way of thinking into a new way of thinking. Think a new way, speak that, and go do it. You can also teach yourself by writing on note cards or sticky notes and putting your food roll on your fridge or or writing it into your schedule, a new workout plan, or putting a scripture somewhere where you see it, like on a sticky note in your car, so you see it every single day, reciting it, saying it out loud, getting it into your mind. There's been so many people in my life that have said, I can't read the Bible, I can't learn scripture, I can't memorize, I can't, I can't, I can't. And every time you say that, you're reinforcing it. But if you would just say, I'm going to try, I am trying, you read the scripture, you say it out loud, you read the scripture, you say it out loud, you apply it to your life, you ask yourself, what does this mean? You do electo divinia. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, seek, knock. And if you look it up in the Amplified Version, it says, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can just get tenacious about our healing, if we can get tenacious and and bold in our faith, if we could actually take off these things that are hindering us and trying to ensnare and enslave us and run boldly to the throne of God, run this race that is set before us. If we can do the hard work of sitting down, taking a breath, observing our thoughts, posturing our hearts, integrating this into our lives, applying it, and continuing to teach ourselves new, better ways, I don't see anything that's going to be able to stop us. I thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you have any questions, you can email me, lindsaywenland5 at gmail.com, or visit my website, takebackyourterritory.com. Please like it. Please share it. You can five-star it, subscribe to it, share it with with someone that you think needs to hear it. If you have more questions about my coaching programs that I offer, I do one-on-one coaching, also group coaching. And I'm constantly creating new content. Right now, I'm working on a free ebook called Renewing Your Response. So, if you go to my website, throw your email address in there, and I'll send you a copy of that free ebook. If you want to learn more about Revelation Wellness, just visit RevelationWellness.org. Um, you can join RevWell TV for as little as $10 a month as being a donor, and check out their podcast too. Elisa Keaton is the founder of Revelation Wellness, and she is an amazing teacher. And a little bit of testimony about Revelation Wellness had the Lord not brought that into my life eight years ago, I would certainly not be here talking to you, walking out freedom boldly, and trying to help you do the same thing if that ministry was not in here and in this world. So I thank you for your time and yeah, keep moving forward. Have a great day.